Restaurant Unstoppable episode 716 with Danielle Rossi. You know, and and we made it through because we started to implement some of these processes and, um, you know, learned uh, how to create a budget. I'd never had a budget before that. And that to me was is everything, you know, is creating that budget and living and dying by it and having that be kind of your your roadmap to to measure your success, you know. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. For years, restaurant owners have been pleading for more integration in their restaurants, and they finally got it. Restaurant 365 is a cloud-based, all-in-one, restaurant-specific accounting and back-office platform that seamlessly integrates with POS systems, payroll providers, and food and beverage vendors. Head over to restaurant365.com slash unstoppable and qualify for 30% off implementation and a free inventory build in Restaurant 365 a value of $5,000. Find out why Toast POS is the number one recommended restaurant POS system on Restaurants Unstoppable. If you're going to survive this upcoming recession, you have got to adapt, and you can't just adapt. You have to adapt Fast. With Toast's cloud-based restaurant POS, your system will update to evolve along with changing industry trends and guest expectations. To learn more, head over to toasttab.com slash unstoppable. And because you are restaurant unstoppable listeners, for a limited time, you will get one month free POS software, three months of free digital ordering tools, and 50% off implementation to ease the impact of COVID-19. This is a value of $1,000, but you've got to use our links. Yo, what's going on, Unstoppables? We have a really great episode for you today. We have Danielle Rossi joining us from Ocean 234 out of Southern uh, Florida, and we cover some great stuff in today's chat, like really just a lot of the talk around how she started to work on her business and the moment she started to work on the on her business and not in her business things really started to turn around for her we talk about the process of creating a process we talk about the importance of cash flow and budgeting we talk about how you need to do weekly inventories and man this one's just really packed with also using technologies within your business uh, to streamline those processes and one of the technologies coincidentally that we talk about today uh, came up organically our sponsor one of our sponsors toast pos and if you guys did not get the memo uh toast is going to be offering up to one thousand dollars worth of incentives if if you use our link and we're matching it Uh, another one thousand dollars will send you a check just to say thank you for using our link it's weird times right now a lot of changes are happening in your business to adapt and evolve with market demands and needs and if toast is the solution you're going for I recommend it, honestly, and we will give you up to $2,000 worth of thank yous uh, in the form of cash. So check it out, and uh, here's today's show. Enjoy it. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Danielle Rossi. Danielle, are you feeling unstoppable today? 
Eric, I have to. I feel like right now, <laughs> given times, you can't stop. It's, right? it's just not allowed. Can't stop. <laughs> the won't world stop. is falling. I love it. That's what I like to say. So uh, Danielle Rossi was just 22 and recently widowed when she first opened Oceans 234 in 2001. In 2013, she purchased the restaurant to become the sole owner of the establishment. And in 2015, she underwent a massive $1.8 million renovation on the property elevating the guest experience. In addition to Oceans 234, in 2007, Rossi launched the Whale Raw Bar, a neighborhood New England raw bar in Parkland, uh, Florida. After six years of successful business ownership, she sold in 2013. And then you have your latest venture, which is really exciting. I'm sure we'll get into this eventually. Uh, Ground Zero Boot Camp, which is a guided online boot camp that's dedicated to helping restaurants rebuild their businesses. Um, I love it. I really do. I cannot wait to dive into your story, but let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you got for us? Um, I, uh, I think for me, it's, uh, I've always have in my mind, a goal without a plan is just a wish, Ooh. right? So I, I heard about 10 years ago, it was on the wall of a gym I went to, and it just applies to everything in my life. If I want to get something done, you better put some action steps into play. So what's the first step? I know it takes a lot of steps. What's the first thing we can do to make our our goals, our, our wishes into goals by putting a plan together? What's that first step? I think it's just deciding and saying like, you know, don't, you can't look all the way at the end result. You got to say like, okay, wh- what's number one and then number two and just, just keep, keep chipping at it yeah like um, what's the- and, and not looking too far ahead yep i love it beautiful great way to get this thing started so where does it make sense to start telling your story because um i mean <laughs> it sounds like you you kind of was oceans two three four your your first uh, experience in hospitality or were you working in the industry before this yeah so like many people when i was 15 16 years old my first job was in a pizza place you know a neighborhood spot um i was a wayward teenager and grew up in Philadelphia. My parents shipped me down to Florida. And at 19 years old, I actually came to work at Oceans 234. Okay. Um, but then it, it wasn't Oceans 234 at the time. It was uh, an old diner that had been there for 40 years. Oh, wow. Um, so I started as a waitress and uh, you know, started from the bottom. So, they, <laughs> so if we were to quote Drake here, right? So three and, years um, later, you were the director of operations, right? Yeah, so I, I started there as a waitress. I um, actually met the uh, owner, had just bought the property, met her son. Um, we got married, and uh, two days before our one-year anniversary, he unexpectedly passes oh away. Um, and I was 21. I just turned 21 years old. Um, and at that time, you know, like I said, the restaurant was just kind of like a diner, but I was pretty much running all the operations for my mother-in-law. Okay. Um, but we had started plans to knock down the diner and build a new restaurant plans with the city. And my mother-in-law said, if you stay with me, you know, I'll keep this property. And she lived up in New Hampshire. She was pretty much retired. Um, you know, I think she was almost 70 at the time. Um, and I just did it. I had no experience. We laugh about it all the time. I had no experience. I really had no idea what I was doing, but knock down this building and, and build ocean. That's crazy. And then in 2012, the end of 2012, I bought it from her um, to be the sole owner and I've got to ask, elevate it. I've got to ask because I'm from New, ha- New Hampshire. Where in New Hampshire? It's a small state. Oh, yeah. So they're up at, you know, where Lake Winnipesaukee is? Of course. 
Yeah, yeah. Beautiful, beautiful area. area. Okay, cool. Um, so you're 19 years old. You have very little experience um, managing and, and operating restaurants. Uh, yeah. They purchased this this restaurant. Was it what was like the, the vision at that time? Take us to that that point where they purchased this restaurant. You're you're hired as a server. You fall in love with their son. Take us to that point. Like what's yeah? The point? So um, it's interesting because she had always owned restaurants. But they were always just small little breakfast and lunch places. And, you know, maybe they do a little dinner, but they were pretty much diners. Um, And so when I came in there, you know, she had, you know, uh, a shift lead, but really didn't have any managers. She was a snowbird, so was only down here half the time. Um, And this was a bigger restaurant than she had ever had before. So when I started there, it was just like naturally there, there was a lot to do. Um, And I had this overwhelming sense of responsibility, like, because I was kind of in the inner circle, like if something was going wrong, I needed to handle it. And slowly I just, I just took on all, all the, all the roles that needed, needed to be handled. And I was pretty much running everything. What was driving that sense of responsibility? I'm curious, like, like reflecting back at like what you're feeling, what was going through your mind, what was driving that? Yeah, I think, um, I don't know. I've always had this, like this overwhelming sense of responsibility. Like if something touches me and it needs to be fixed. Like I just, I got to do it. Mm. Um, so I think that's just a, a car, like a trait that I have. Um, I'm sure there's a little bit of ego in there. Like, Oh, I can fix it, you yeah. know? <laughs> but, um, it certainly, um, it, it, you know, I, that it was a crazy time back then we did breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I was there six, six thirty in the morning. I cooked, I was a line cook back there. Cause I prefer to work the back of the house and the front of the house. You know, I went from like waitress and then sometimes I'd work in the back and, it was just nuts. It was really just like a crazy time. It worked my butt off, like never took a day off. It was just crazy. Yeah. This is going back almost 20 years ago now or over 20 years ago. Yeah. Now. Just crazy to yeah. think that that was that like, I'm, I'm thinking of myself in 2000 and that's crazy. I think that was 20 years ago, but um, knowing what you know now, you have 20 years of experience under your belt, reflecting back right. at that time, painting that picture of who you were and what the restaurant was, what things make you kind of like, giggle and laugh as far as the way you did things versus how you do things now. I mean, Eric, it's just like comical to me that I was 21 years old, by the way, only finished 10th grade in high school, had my GED, have no experience and literally knocked down an oceanfront restaurant and, and did new construction and built this restaurant with like no experience or anything. And, and kind of, you know, was given the keys of the castle, so to speak. I mean, if I handled it, she was like, all right, run with it you know, and, and we just had a really amazing relationship. Um, she was a really, really tough, um, operator. So I just, I kind of adopt adopted that from her. Um, and it was, it was just, it was crazy. Um, I think that I had a turning point after the first five years and this is five years after it became oceans. Um, because I was just, when did it become oceans? What year did it become oceans? Uh, it was 2003. Two, two, 2002. So 2007, yeah. five years. So just to kind of, for, I, I don't yeah. know why my mind works chronologically. Keep going. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I just, I was working day and night, seven days a week, you know, the stereotypical, like when you have a restaurant, you have no life. And I heard one day somebody say, you have to work on your business, yes. not in your business. 
And I honestly, I think it was David Scott Peters, okay. who you know. Yep. And I, 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 I give, heard him somewhere say that, and I'll tell you, it changed my life. Yes, and I should give and, uh, David a tip of the hat for making this introduction. I actually saw an email he put out, and uh, that's what kind of spun this all out. We love David Scott Peters over here at Restaurant Unstoppable. And um, so so this mentality of working on your business, not, not in your business, um, I want to get to that. But first, really paint that picture of... I mean, obviously you did a lot of things right because here you are today, right? You're a success story. Here you are today killing it. But going back to that time, painting that picture of the 19-year-old you were, 20-year-old, 21-year-old, 22-year-old, early in your career, um, reflecting back at that person, what were some of the hard lessons? Like really get vulnerable, really open up and share some of the things that you learned the hard way. Yeah. Um, I think the number one thing might be that like I didn't want to fail, right? Like I had clearly felt like I failed my parents at that time. You know, they kicked me out when I was really young. Um, you know, I, I started there as a waitress because I was like, I'm going to go put myself into school. I actually had gotten my GED when I got that job. So I could, I could go to school at night. So I was like, I'm going to do something right. And, um, so I think that was kind of driving behind me. Like, I'm not going to be a statistic. They're not going to say like, I failed, they were wrong you know, um, and, and just kind of, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do something. Um, and then, you know, again, I just have this like drive where if I fixate on something, I don't stop. So I love it. Um, you can say you're unstoppable. Yeah. <laughs> I'm unstoppable. Yes, right. I love exactly. It. I love it. So, um, at what time? So you, you get this, this idea. Well, actually, before we get into this idea of working on your business, not in your business, I want to go through that yeah. pivot, that evolution where if I, it sounds like this woman, um, your, your mother-in-law, uh, yeah. was a huge mentor to you. It looks like she, she, yeah. that you adopted a lot of her management and leadership skills. So how did she influence you looking back at your time with her early on? What was that experience? Like, what were you learning from her during this time? Um, you know what? She was just no bullshit. She was, um, like just, she just didn't, she pushed back anything that she didn't accept. Right. So, um, which kind of can be an uncomfortable place. Like she didn't care if people liked her or didn't like her. And I just, you know, I knew that's how she wanted things. So if uh, somebody came in and they said, this is the price of it, it was always, no, that's not the price. It's not good enough. It's got to be a lower price. It's got to be a, you know, um, and, and I just, I kind of just morphed into to, to that trait that she had just so of not standards, accepting something. Right. It's standards and having standards and um, sticking to your guns, sticking to your standards. Right. Um, did yeah. she teach you anything about how to do that? Or is it just, was it just observation? It was just observation. Like she used to say, let's say food came out of the kitchen and it was wrong. She used to be like, this is so unfair to the guests that we put this out there. Like she'd always just be like, this is so unfair. And if you really think about that statement, you know, it, it is unfair. It's unfair that they're sitting there paying for an experience and we just gave them shit. Right. So, um, you know, she, she would just, she would push it back. Not mm -hmm. good enough. Now Sorry. We're on a 20 minute wait. Like not good enough. Yeah. Do these eggs over. What, what's the saying? Three customers or 50 customers. It doesn't make a difference. It goes out the same right. way every time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so no bullshit attitude. Um, this mentality of we got to take care of the guests. We've got to make it fair. Um, what were you guys doing? Because I'm really curious because you said she was a snowbird. She was only down there for like six, five months of the year or less or more right. like around that. Right. I'm giving uh, an assumption, I guess. Yep. Um, yep. She'd come down like around Thanksgiving and stay till like around mother's day. So how, um, and then she was up North the rest of the year. Okay. So how were you guys maintaining these standards when she was gone? How did she make sure her presence was there even when she wasn't? 
Yeah. So she called like 30 times a day. Like she would, she would call and check in um, in the beginning. And then um, I don't know, we just kind of had this like really unique relationship. Um, I remember when we first met and she was in the restaurant, she had been away up North and came down and I was doing like everything in the restaurant. And she turns to me, she's like, I don't know who you are or who you think you, what you think you're doing, but, and she just yelled at me like, this is wrong. And this is wrong. You better fix it. You know? And I was like, okay. And she didn't say like, you, you know, like, let's sit down and describe your, figure out what your job description is or this or that. Like, she was just like, that clearly you're in love with my son and we're just going to do this. Like, we're not going to talk about it. <laughs> okay. Any lessons <laughs> and from she, that? Well, she was a screamer. Okay. So she was like a yeller or like if the eggs were wrong, she'd throw the plate back at you. She was, she was tough. Okay. <laughs> uh, she still <laughs> so I, do, I don't do those things, but uh, we're talking a lot of past tense. And I'm, I'm just curious. Is she still, is she still with us? She is. Okay. She is. She's gotcha. uh, her and her husband are uh, 87 and 92. Okay. Um, yeah, she actually, I just put her on a plane last week to go back. Up oh, north, cool. So. Cool. Cool. So if you could just yeah. distill it to one overarching lesson, reflecting on who this woman is and feel free to say, say her name, give her a tip of the hat. Oh, Lois. Lois yeah. Lois. Uh, what's the biggest thing that Lois taught you? If you could just distill it down to one or two things before we move on. I, w- I would have to say just not accepting something that wasn't, you know, to the standard that, that it needed to be, you know? Um, she just wouldn't accept something that she, if she wanted something a certain way, like she would just, she didn't care if you were mad about it. Like that's how it had to be. All right. Beautiful. So you, you, you seek out at this time, were you, were you working directly with David Scott Peters or were you just following his content? This is what you yeah, said, 2000, you said, we said 2007, 2007 ish. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think I, um, at the time I started to kind of get involved in like community organizations, um, you know, the restaurant associations up until that point, I had never been involved in any professional organization. Um, and I think I was at a, like the restaurant show or something and, and heard him speak, um, or saw something online. Um, and I, as with, when you follow people, you kind of go down the rabbit hole of their content, um, you know, and realize that I wasn't, it, I wasn't doing it right. Like I got a lot of accolades like, Oh, Danielle, you work so hard but who cares if you never can make it to a family birthday party? Like who cares if you can't improve your business because you're, you have yourself on a shift. Um, so I realized like, I don't want to do this and I have the choice now to define how my life is going to work and how this business is going to work for me. Cause I'm just giving myself a job. I'm not giving my, you know, I'm not making my business work for me. I'm working for my business. Um, and it just changed everything. I love it. I think this is a good point to take our first break to thank our sponsors and we'll be right back. If you're sick of paying multiple vendors and services to outfit your restaurant needs only to deal with the frustrations of technology that's clunky and void of that seamless experience that you so need, then you've got to check out Restaurant 365, a cloud-based restaurant-specific accounting and back-office platform that seamlessly integrates with your POS system, payroll provider, food and beverage vendors, and banks. With Restaurant 365, you'll have real-time reporting and analysis to make the best and most data driven decisions no more guessing other features include detailed daily and labor data from your pos system accounts payable automation automated bank reconciliation incorporated inventory management with guidance on reducing your food costs and scheduling features to reduce labor costs and engage your employees all saving you time money and headaches take action today and find out how restaurant 365 is saving restaurant owners up to five percent on prime 
costs. That's awesome. Head over to restaurant365.com slash unstoppable and qualify for 30% off implementation and get a free inventory build within the system, a value of 5K. We're back. And so you, you identified 2017 as the time where you realized you weren't doing it right, that there was a better yeah. way to do things. Um, that 2007. But 2007. Yeah. Thank you. So uh, what were the first moves you made? Like what, what things did you start doing like to, to get control, to, to make your vision not just a dream, but you know, to put a strategy in place like you said earlier on? Right. Well, I, I think this is about the time that like the internet – I feel so old saying that the internet was a thing, right? So like you said, I was, I was able to watch content or videos, or I went to like a seminar and I can't tell you which one it was, you know? Um, but I did started following David Scott Peters stuff. I actually took his class in Arizona and like flew out with a couple of my managers. And that was just such a huge change for us. It was just like the turning point. It was like, we need systems and a process and a way for everything we do. So what's and, that, what does that look like? What did that, 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 that process of creating process look like? Um, it, it was like creating checklists and creating standard operating procedures. I mean, you have to remember, like, we didn't have any of that. We didn't even have like a training manual. Um, and even though I had built this brand new restaurant and opened, we had, we had nothing. Like I, my, one of my first jobs was at a Ruby Tuesdays when I first moved to Florida. And I don't mention it because like I worked there for two weeks. But when we opened Oceans, the training manual to open was me retyping my Ruby Tuesdays training manual. And I remember (laughs) it was actually two offices down from here. We had like 60 people in a room. I had never spoken to a crowd before. And I get up and just start reading this manual to like all these people in the room. It was crazy. Like, I don't even know how like we opened. So those first two, three years were a little sketchy, you know, but, um, but what you're getting into right now, we already kind of like earlier, we we're talking about, was it Louise? Uh, Lois, Lois. Thank you. We're talking about Lois uh, and her, her way of keeping standards was that constant pressure, that constant do it yeah. like this, that constant here it is. This, this, and that's one way to do it. Absolutely. You can do it that way. But um, the other ways is, is documenting the the right way right right? and recreating yourself and your standards on paper so and then training your people to say hey like this is the right way like and and you point to the standards that you created um what was that pivot like for you guys like how, how did you guys go through that pivot yeah it was uncomfortable you know um because it this is 2007 you know we're like at the height with um you know right before the housing crash Um, and then that started to happen and it was more apparent than ever that like we had to do things a different way or we weren't going to survive. We all of a sudden we had a cash flow problem because, um, you know, the, the housing market crashed down here. Um, I had opened my second restaurant out West. I'd opened the whale and like we were in a shopping center and we were the, like the last tenant left in an entire shopping center, one 2,500 square foot restaurant, just sitting there open. The rest of it was closed you know, and, and we made it through because we started to implement some of these processes and, um, you know, learned uh, how to create a budget. I'd never had a budget before that. And that to me was, is everything, you know, is creating that budget and living and dying by it and having that be kind of your, your roadmap to, to measure your success. You know, where did you go to learn how to budget? Like what was that process of creating your budgeting look like? Um, well, we, like I said, we had a cash flow problem because, uh, 
<laughs> my mother-in-law ran things like literally like pen and paper. Like, I don't even know if I ever saw financials when, when I worked for her. Um, so we didn't do things exactly the way you're supposed to. So when, when um, our business had a huge dip and we had a cash flow problem, my sister-in-law came down and she taught me how to do a budget. Um, and, and she'd been in the corporate world and kind of, and I remember I was crying. I was like, it is so hard. And I'm explaining like Lois doesn't understand. And she's like, just taking money and we don't have the money. And she turns to me, she's like, stop crying. This is just business. Like just do the budget, do the numbers. And then you, ha- you can figure out where your loss is. And I was like, Oh, Oh, okay. So when and you that was did the, the budget and you found out where your loss was, like, what did you learn? Um, I learned that we were spending more than we were making, right? Like if you don't even know what you're making, how do you know what you're allowed to spend or, you know? Um, so anyway, we just, we recalibrated the business. And um, like I said, David Scott Peters, again, learning what our food costs, our prime costs, managing our prime costs, which is our food and labor costs was, is everything, you know, and seeing where your losses are. What were the, some like one or two things that you did that you changed in your business to better control those prime costs? Like one big thing that you weren't doing or two big things you weren't doing that you started to do that had a big impact on that bottom line. Yeah. So recipe costing cards, um, you know, uh, costing out every single menu item and finding out like where our losses are. For me, I try to find my 10 biggest sellers and just optimize optimize the shit out of them. Mike, I say shit. Sorry. No, you, can and, say, you know, I've said far worse. optimize them for profit <laughs> because those are, those are really driving that bottom line for me. Um, and then for labor, it's, I use templates, um, for labor and, um, that was game changing. What do you mean? Templates no longer for labor? What do you mean by templates for labor? Yeah. So for example, um, I'm going to oversimplify it, but, uh, and I do it a little bit different than some other people, but, um, we know what we're going to do for sales in a 52 week period, right? I've been here for 20 years. So I, I, I pretty much know what I'm going to do. And we have big seasonality. So between, you know, if I'm going to do $50,000 in sales to $100,000 in sales, I still need one hostess at the front door, right? And as, as we go up incrementally, I need more people to handle each, um, each position on a schedule. But whether I, again, whether I do a hundred grand or I do 20 grand, I still need that one hostess to manage day-to-day operations. So I've created these um, uh, sales brackets and created schedules for each sales bracket. So the manager, when I say to them, this week is a template too, they don't have to guess how many servers or hostesses they need on the floor. They go, oh, template two, let me take it off the shelf. Here's template two. Oh, it says I need one hostess. Okay, we're good. You know? And that's an oversimplified version. I mean, you still have to monitor a little more than that. Yeah. But. And I think people that might be listening to this um, or might be like having an anxiety attack right now. Like, I don't have any of that. And I've been in business for two years. But the thing is, a lot of this stuff, like these templates, you don't know what you need until you know, right? And it takes right. don't like it takes time to build these things up because I mean you can start today, but just know that like it takes time to know what, what when you need a template yeah. to because you need data right to to look That's at right. exact so like just know that like it's not it's never too late just start and c- always continue to work on it always try to put these things together and before you know it you're going to be doing exactly what Danielle's talking about here i love it uh were you going to say something i was just going to say it took me about like 5 years to go from like when i realized i needed to do something different to the time where i started to get some traction like okay this is in our dna it doesn't like, happen it overnight was, no, it took a long time. And you have to turn around to people that you work with and say, 
hey, we're doing things differently now. And and they look at you and go like, well, why? It, it works the way we, we're used to doing it. It's like changing the rules in the middle of a game. You know, it doesn't feel fair. Yeah, I love so, it. Um, I love it. Uh, so so just a real quick uh, heads up. Um, menu engineering, um, maybe a little bit of a teaser. David Scott Peters is on the show. I'll, I'll be sure to link to the episode where we talk about menu engineering. Uh, very powerful. Uh, and I know that he's a part of this boot camp that you put together. Um, yeah. So a little teaser. We'll talk about that later. And I think he's talking about menu en- engineering in that boot camp. Is he not? Yeah, actually he is. Yep. So just throwing a little teaser out there. If you guys are interested in that, we'll let you know how to connect with David later on. Um, so, okay. So now you, you're learning, you're, you're slowly evolving, slowly starting to shift from working on your business to working, sorry, from working in your business to working your business. on your business. And we just pointed out that that shift isn't like hitting a switch because yeah, you, yeah. you slowly got to remove yourself. It's not going to happen overnight. It's going to be constant, gentle pressure of, of working on these systems until you can slowly relinquish yourself from those responsibilities. So what did that process of relinquishing yourself from those responsibilities look like? Yeah. So that was uncomfortable for me because I went from having like a hundred percent control grip on everything to like, I've got to let somebody else do it. Like I've got to take off on a Saturday. If I ever want to take off on a Saturday, like you just have to leave. That's huge. And yeah. And it takes a while to realize like the place is not going to burn down. They might yeah. just actually do what they did the day before and it'll be fine. Yeah. I'm going so through that, that right now with restaurant unstoppable. Cause I, I brought on a community yeah. manager, Casey, and just this, these things, uh, he's doing a great job by the way, but these like giving up control, like, you know, when you work in your business, like you are your business and it's hard to like yeah. let your baby go a little bit. So what things did you start to do differently to, to, to cope with that? Um, well, I think the hardest, the biggest lesson I learned was that not everybody does things the way I do them, Mm. but to get, to get from point A to point B, maybe a different path, but if they can just get to point B, we're okay. So, um, you know, I don't know if it's just like my ego would be like, no, it has to be just like this. And then I had to just be like, okay, they're going to get there. You know, it's okay if they do it a little bit differently, if that's where how their personality works, you know, it's okay. So that was a really big, um, big kind of realization. Yeah. So I think it was 2007, um, or we know, sorry, it was, yeah, 2007, you opened the whale raw bar. Uh, what was going this is also around the time you started thinking to yourself, I need to work on my business, not in my business. So you're trying to automate not automate, but create systems, processes, and procedures in oceans two, three, four. You're also opening your first restaurant from scratch. So yeah. I think we need to get into that. Well, I think that forced me like to your point, like yeah. that forced me giving up control so mm. that, um, cause I had to, yeah. I can't be in two places at once. Exactly. Uh, so you're also doing this just before the recession got bad, right? So in 2007, we didn't know that the housing market was going to be what the housing market was in 2008. Oh right. Um, yeah. and you, and it was, you said it was because of these systems and processes that you created that allowed you to come out the other end that, that gave you the budget and to do all these things. Is there, is there any more we can learn from that experience that you can share with us? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, that was it. It was me like kind of digging deep and starting to do things the right way that got us through that because God knows like we were upside down every, every single way. But, um, the second we just stayed like super hyper focused on like staying on budget, like slowly you, you pay off a little bit more debt, a little bit of debt, a little bit of debt before you know it, it's paid off. Right. What things were you doing to, to have the, the, the discipline 
to stay focused, to stay on budget? Were you doing any, were you building any routine into your business or checklist to make sure that you were staying on your budget? Yeah. So I started, um, actually having financials and like, um, two things we do. One is, um, we do a prime cost weekly. So, oh, I didn't mention the, the biggest thing in this is we started doing inventory weekly. Okay. That, that was the game changer for us is when we started doing inventory weekly, which is so painful, right? At, at first it's painful. Now it's just part of like what we do because we've been doing so long that changes everything because you're, you're monitoring and measuring what you can control and it's just glaring what is wrong Im- immediately. So um, we do our full financials for prime cost every seven days. So every seven days, there's a report that comes out and everybody gets it. And it's not like, oh, I forgot to do it this week. Like it is just what we do every week. So and then at the end sure of the month it, is, is running like your a, P&L. Is it like a time that you block? What are you doing within your business that there's no excuse that on Friday or whenever we decide to do it, like it gets done? Yeah. So it's inventory on Sunday night and prime cost is out by two, uh, Wednesday morning. And that's how we measure how we're doing. And like I love, our report card. I love how you mentioned that. Like at first it was like the most horrible, awful thing to yeah. do. But over time, when you continue to, to show up and do those things, it reminds me of going for a run, right? At first, it's the most horrible, horrible awful thing. thing to do, right? But then after like three months of staying consistent and continuing to show up, you're like, you, you, you get to the point where you wake up, your feet hit the ground. And the next thing you're doing is you're putting your, your socks and your sneakers on. And before you know it, you're on the trail. You know, and it's because the the power of routine, the power of habit, right? Do you want to reflect on that? Yeah. So it's so funny you say that um, because uh, one of my, (laughs) I read a book, it's called The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson. Yes. And it's exactly that. It's, it's your, your, the actions, every little thing you do every day either leads to your success or your failure. And so every action you have, whether it's, hitting snooze, whether it's going to the gym, whether it's eating something correctly today may not seem like it's making the biggest impact, but you do that compound day after day after day. And it leads to your success or your failure if it's positive or negative. And that actually, that book was, was another kind of like big turning point for me. Yeah. That's a, that's it's so funny. We like naturally went right right there. Yeah. So, um, you had the raw bar until 2013 and coincidentally you also purchased oceans two, three, four from your mother-in-law and now you're a sole proprietor in 2013. So you, you built up the, the raw bar. Why sell? What was going on there? Yeah. So, um, well, a couple of things I had two other small restaurants, like little tiny ones early on in my career, um, that were, that were great. They were just tiny little, little guys. And then, um, uh, the whale we bought, like I said, we were in a shopping center that was completely dead. And our first year, 2007, we had an awesome year. And literally 2008, we were down 50% because our like a million reasons, the housing market crashed, the shopping center was dead. The largest $10 million sports bar opened up next door to us. It was like, is this really happening right now? Um, so we went through all that and we actually like, we're going to make it. And then I started to put together the deal to buy oceans. And I knew that if I was going to do that, like I needed to be like a hundred percent focused on it. So I kind of put it up on the market thinking like, this is never going to sell. It's a bad time. And, and it did like I had a guy and I was going to hold on to it if it didn't, but somebody came in and, um, bought it like within 90 days. So I was really kind of fortunate. 
And I knew I had to like focus 100% on ocean. So if I was going to do that project, what advice do you have on selling a restaurant? Because you had to go through that. And that's something we don't get into a lot yeah. on the show. We, we are usually our, our, our exit strategy in the restaurant industry is death. Yeah. That's so true. Right? <laughs> so <laughs> like, how did you, you know, you're a young woman, uh, you, you got that you're a business owner. Uh, you never sold a, a restaurant before. Maybe you did with the two other no. businesses. No. Yeah, I did actually. Okay. So um, well, the other you've done two it three I times now. So, so, so what advice do you have on, on selling a business? What things do we need to consider? If that's our plan. You've got to make sure your books are in order for starters. You know, whether, whether they're good books or bad books, I, it's being able to depict a clear, you know, or show your seller a clear picture of where you're at so that they can kind of have vision as to what they could do with the, with the business is, is I think super helpful when you give them, um, kind of piecemeal stuff or you try to hide, you know, deficiencies, it's, you know, I think the waters get muddied. And um, even if you're not doing well, if you paint a picture as to where you're not doing well, so they can see how they can do it better. And therefore, there's opportunity in it. Um, I, I think that's super helpful. What else? I mean, there's one I that know. I know that you've already like you mentioned to us and it's in your right. story. Um, and I'll just bring it to the surface is yeah, please. <laughs> um, when, if you, if you sell a business without systems, processes and procedures, yeah. then you're not really selling a business. You're selling, yeah. uh, you know, like you gotta, like you, unless you are being sold with the business, right. Yeah. Then you're not really selling Like you gotta, you gotta recreate those systems process. You need to create a turnkey operation basically is what I'm getting right. at. And, uh, you can't be, the business cannot be dependent on you if you're selling it because you're, you're pulling yourself out of it. The, the one thing that makes it work. So that do you want to it's reflect? It's so what funny. You say that. Um, it's such an interesting conversation. So like bringing up so many things from my past. So I, um, I, there's a local restaurant here and there had been somebody who operated it for like 30 years and, you know, he was getting ready to retire. And I remember them saying like, Oh my goodness, like he is that bar, you know, if he leaves, will all the regulars still come. Right. And um, I remember having that feeling like he doesn't have a saleable asset because it's centered around him and giving around, giving away drinks and this and that. And when he did finally retire, everybody was like, that business is going to fail. It's going to close. And, you know, it, it had a little dip, but it rebounded. Um, it just it had been there so long and had such a great reputation. But I remember thinking that, like, um, you know, you don't want to build a business around you, right? You, you want to build, let that brand stand on its own. And there's so many buyers that are looking for a place that is established and has those systems in place because, you know, th they just want to run the business of it. They're not in there to create. Not everybody wants to come in and create something from scratch. Yeah. I mean, ultimately I think that and in, in, I get a little on edge when I hear other people, consultants out there saying, Oh, like you need to be able to, you know, build your business up to the point where you can go sit on a beach and run it from a distance. And honestly, like I, I, I'm, that's not what I want to promote. I want to promote like you want to be in your business. You love this industry. You love the work you do, but you need to create a situation that if there's a wedding, you can go to a wedding. If there's a funeral, right. God forbid, you can go to a funeral. You don't want to be trapped to your business. And, like having boundaries. Yeah. And, and your business needs to be an asset. 
And if you're not in that business, I mean, you know, it has to be an asset without you. And like, that's the way you got to think, but you want to be in your business, right? Is the kind of, like, the, I just want to make sure I'm communicating that. Cause I just don't like yeah. the, the people saying, Hey, like go sit on the beach and run your, like, that's not what the future of our industry should look like. In my right. personal. No, opinion. you want to be able to sit on yeah. a beach when it's time for you to go sit on a beach. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, so. Anything else uh, we can talk about? I mean, uh, what, what was that that transition like? Um, purchasing Ocean's two, three, four from your your mother in law. Like, uh, what what was that 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 passing of the torch looking like? Yeah, so it's interesting because she said it for years. She's like, "Why don't you buy this place for me?" And I was like, "No, I'm not ready. I can't handle it. Like, this is a hu- it's a huge huge operation. Like, I don't think I could handle it financially." Um, and then just finally, I was um, I was like, "All right." I think it's time. Um, she, we were evolving and changing in a way that we needed to take next steps. And it wasn't something that it was then out of her comfort zone and what she knew. So she wasn't going to invest in that same, that same way. So I approached her. Um, and, and naturally, like I really didn't have any cash. Like I had to come up with capital and it was, you know, significant. Um, it's not like it was a a family, a friendly family sale, you know, it was full market value. Mm-hmm. I was um, curious. I mean, did, did this, the, the selling of the whale raw bar, like, was that strategic in the sense that you were trying to get cash flow to purchase oceans two, three, four? Yeah. It, I just knew like if I had two restaurants and, and again, the economy wasn't great. wasn't like amazing by then. Um, I just knew if something happened to either one of them, it would take me take both down. Like I just was not comfortable having that kind of responsibility for two stores, you know, financially all on my shoulders. Um, so I, I was like, I knew I had to sell the restaurant out West. So you sold, um, the, the whale bra bar. Um, mm-hmm. how much I mean, did you, did you have all the capital you needed to purchase from your, your mother-in-law or no, you have to not at all the banks or how did you raise <laughs> that money? Yeah. So she did do seller financing which was, you know, she, she held some paper for me, which was amazing. Um, and, and because it's next to impossible to get restaurant financing. Wait, what is seller financing? So, um, where, uh, she, I pay her monthly payment. She was the, she was the, she's the bank, so to speak. Gotcha. Gotcha. I, you know, I think that's great. I, I would love to see more relationships like that. I think that yeah. we as business owners should be thinking about passing the torch and putting those, those things in place. I mean, I think that's a beautiful thing um, yeah. when we can build something and let it live through those that we've mentored in and brought up. Right. Right. So what and things- she got the interest on the money and yep. it was, a, it was a good deal and I was able to, to purchase it. So what things do we need to consider if we're taking that approach? If we are taking over a business, maybe it's from our parents, maybe it's from a good family friend. Like what, what things do you need to do to protect yourself and to do that? Right. <sighs> there's so, there's so many, right. I think that, I think the first thing is just being really super upfront about everything. You know, it's like saying the unsaid, especially when it's family, you know, if you've got kind of the elephant in the room that nobody's addressing, it's going to come out and, and bite you in the, in the ass, you know, you've got to address everything. So everybody's on the same page, you know, everybody's saying the same thing. There's realistic expectations as to what the outcome is going to be. You, you know, you're outlining the success of the deal, but also the failure of the deal. Like if this goes wrong, here's how we're all going to be in this together. Um, And instead of like, when you do have a problem, instead of going to somebody and saying like, Oh, I don't know what to do about it. Like coming with a solution, like, Hey, I, I can't afford this, but here's how we can outline it. You know that. And that's what I did with her. It was like, no, I don't have cash to come by this restaurant, 
but here's a solution as to how we could make it work for you and and for me. What was you know? that solution? Um, what did that look like? So it was the seller financing, which worked for her, um, you know, from a tax perspective. And then she could also gain the interest on that money. Um, and I knew, you know, I, I knew intimately kind of what her situation was. So I knew this will give you income for X amount of years. Um, here's the interest that you would make on it. It's a safe bet because we know that it's a tried and true operation. Um, here's what I'm willing to invest in it. Um, and and uh, it was just like a win-win for both of us. Yeah. So that was seven years ago. Are you still making payments? Yeah. Uh, yeah, actually, this is my last year. Yes, congratulations. <laughs> You're not quite there yet. Yeah. I don't want to jinx you, but it sounds yeah. like the, the finish uh, line is in sight. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so I guess at this point, I mean, you know yourself better than I know you. Uh, what like what areas do you really shine? If we could spend 10 to 15 minutes talking about whatever you get excited about as far as things that you do in your business to make it successful, what would like, where are you an expert? Like, What's your area of expertise? Um, I, I have to say that I think that one of the thing that's, that's been kind of like the driving force to, to, um, to success in a lot of areas has just been that like constant evolution, right? Like I'm constantly looking at things saying, how can we do it better? And I'm not afraid to be like, Oh, you know, this, we're doing this really shitty and we've got to redo it. It's, it's just like, you know, I just push back or, or find whether it's new technologies, like that has been so huge for us and, and finding new technologies to create automations and um, again, to create those systems. What were some of the biggest technologies you adopted in your business reflecting back over the past uh, seven years since purchasing uh, that had the biggest impact? Um, I would say uh, like um, our, our, you know, obviously having a really great POS, but then using that POS, like correctly. I know that sounds kind of stupid, but sometimes we use pieces of it and not all of it to give you the whole picture. Um, we adopted an inventory control software. We use Bevinco um, for all of our beverage inventory. That was while at first glance, it looks expensive. It is so worth every single penny. But at the same time, I think people look at the, they just look at the, the price tag, but you mentioned yeah. earlier, it's a weekly thing that we do inventory. It's a pain in the ass. It takes all this time. When you start thinking about what's my time worth and the time of my people and what else yeah. could they be doing? I mean, I, I'm, I'm assuming I, throw some numbers at us. Like what was it costing you before to do inventory just in, in labor alone? So it's crazy. Like when I first got the price for it, I was like, um, you know, at the end of the week, it turned, you know, first it starts out like your manager is going to be like, Hey, I'll do inventory. And then like six months go by and it's like, Oh, I need another manager to help me. Oh, I need a bar back to help me. Oh, all of a sudden it's like this big to do. All of a sudden they don't have it done in the morning. Right. We all know how this story. Yeah. How does, how long does it typically take? Oh God. It would, it was like so painful. I don't know why it was so painful. Like a half hour, an hour. How long would it take to actually do inventory? Do you know, like before this, um, it would take them like a couple, maybe three hours hours. and then you got to put it in the spreadsheet and Oh, the spreadsheet just crashed. And so I don't know how much I will just round. You got three people. Um, we'll say, we'll say at least $30, right? Three hours, three times a month or four times a month. So four times a month, you know, like the, the point is like that you get, you got to look at that. You got to take that into yeah. account when you're, you and what's Bevco cost per month, 50 bucks. I don't know, but I'm guessing it's no, it's a, well, I have them come in and do a full inventory. Oh, okay, gotcha, so gotcha. I actually, you can use them as a software piece, 
or you can use them where they actually come in and physically inventory. And it's interesting because to come in and physically inventory, no one can lie about what they're actually counting because that does happen, whether it's intentional or unintentional. Um, it keeps them accountable for how things are stored, properly stored and rotated. Um, and my num and like, for example, if I have two managers counting inventory on a Sunday night, neither of them can now work Monday morning. So if you actually look at an overall schedule, you had another shift to fill because um, they were doing it overnight. Like there's this, just, I, I mean, you. we all know trying to make that schedule. Yeah. It's a thing. Um, so let's say, like you said, labor wise, let's say it was costing you $10,000 a month in extra labor. Um, and then you're, you're over two points, three points, you know, if you save two points and th it's well worth, you know, that expense. Got you. So it is huge. I love it. Um, so you mentioned that we, we got here because you said that the one thing you do really well is you're constantly adapting. You're, you're constantly evolving. Yeah. You're constantly looking for ways to make every little bit better. And it's funny enough, you mentioned the slight edge earlier, but we also mentioned the compound effect or we did yeah. not mention the compound effect, which I think is the book that came up before the slight edge. Right. And there's, I know there's yeah. those books are connected somehow. I think maybe one author like was the mentor to the other, to the other author, yeah. but this compounding effect is like, if you do a bunch of these little things all over the place and you're constantly looking for a half a point or a quarter of a point, but you do it, you pick up like all these little points all over the place. They compound over time. And th that's what you're doing. And on the other side, it's like when you see something, you're like, oh, that's just $50 a month. Oh, that's just $25 a month. Oh, we just, we were only off a half a percent. Like, and when you go the opposite way, all of a sudden it's thousands of dollars exactly. at the end of the day. Like, yeah. oh, everybody only clocked in a half an hour early today. Okay. Well, there's 20 people on this <laughs> exactly. shift. Compounds. All right, do that math. Yeah. So for sure, it goes both ways. <laughs> you mentioned POS too. Well, you said having a great POS and using all the aspects of the POS. So I'm curious, which POS were you using? Uh, we were using Aloha. Um, well, we were using, I forget, some, uh, one that wasn't as popular My way back when maybe? we first opened. Gotcha. And then we went to Aloha. And more recently, we've just adapted to Toast, which oh, has nice. been amazing. Uh, current sponsor of the show, offering us an incredible deal, by the way. Um, They're amazing. Yeah. You can't, there's just no reason to not be using them. Yeah, with COVID-19, we've had a lot of trouble trying <sighs> to find sponsors just because everybody's getting super conservative because and understandably, like I don't blame yeah. anybody. Um, so um, we're doing our first ever CPA um, sponsorship, which stands for cost per acquisition. So basically, we don't get paid unless um, you use our links. Uh, and I have to say that... Uh, you know, Toast is probably the only platform out there that I'd be willing to do this deal with right now, just because of this reason yeah. right here. You're recommending them organically. Did we talk about this before? No, no, we didn't. And no, this is didn't. the only reason why I would do this deal because I I, I believe in Toast. Um, and what are these different aspects of Toast that you said you're using? Because you said that it's not just using a, a solid POS, but it's leveraging all the aspects. So what aspects yep. of Toast? are you leveraging that are, are really serving you? Yeah. So the, the, the biggest one that I've just adapted since COVID-19 happened is that um, they've uh, instead of cutting out third party uh, delivery, they've actually integrated with a third party delivery and have a flat fee. So they um, work with DoorDash. So I get a delivery. I don't have to call a delivery guy. I don't have to worry about that. I looked at this other iPad that that comes in on. It's integrated right with Toast. And there's somebody at my door with DoorDash. It's a flat seven bucks. There's no 20%, 30%. Um, 
and uh, and it's just been like totally streamlined. The second thing is now that people can pay on their phones, so they don't have to touch anything. Um, the handhelds, so we have the handhelds that go to the table. Um, I think we're up to like 12 of them now because we're an outdoor restaurant. Uh, this is how I see, this is why I got toast. This is my vision, is that I have a waiter or a, a server that's on the floor and all they're doing is going to table to table. Hey, Eric, how are you? My name's Danielle. I'm waiting on you today. What's your drink of choice? You tell me, I ring it in. Let me share with you a little bit about oceans. And while we're talking, your drink shows up with a runner right in front of you. Yes. Yeah. I you know love what it. I mean? Like that is, I, I see service with this being, you know, not, not servers anymore, but people that guide your dining experience with runners bringing the items to you in like real time. I love that. Right? High touch. I love it. And think about, I think one thing I love about the, the, the handhelds and the tablets is one of the biggest issues in a full service restaurant prior to this was the, the, the bottlenecking at the POS. And I don't know yeah. about you, but like I'm a, I'm a knucklehead. I can't keep something in my head for more than three or four minutes before I start to forget what it was. And that's where mistakes come from. That's where you start, you know, making mistakes and like having to keep all that in your head or translate it. Like you're, you're putting it into a technology eventually, right? Why not do it as soon as you get the message? And minimize the, um, the the likelihood for mistakes, and then you're also for, you're, you're you're bypassing that whole bottleneck where it takes forever to just get the order in because everybody has to use the same two or three POSs. It's so funny you say that. Our number one challenge when we told the servers to go with the handhelds is they still would walk over to the POS <laughs> and type in it, and I'm like, "What are you guys doing?" And I had one of my servers turn to me one day, and he goes, "Danielle." For 20 years, (laughs) I've been waiting on tables and I have, we go to the table, we go to the POS, we go to the kitchen, we walk back to the table. Like these are our steps. I don't know where to go. (laughs) What do I do? So it's like changing that habit, that habitual habit of going to to the POS and pumping it in. The second challenge is when you're at a table, you've got the attention of say 10 people, you're waiting on a 10 top and they're all staring at you and you're plugging in the order. Now, what I like about Toast is that it's the device doesn't look like a phone. When it looks like a phone, it looks like you're texting and you're ignoring somebody, but their device is a little bigger. Um, and everybody's staring at you and you get nervous that you're not doing it fast enough. So I had one server say, because we, we had kind of like a round table, what do you like? What don't you like once we adopted it after a month? And one server said, he's like, you've got to kind of block out your insecurity. It was so interesting he put it that way. And just focus on one person and say, I'm taking your order. And as if you look at them and punch it in as you look at them and then turn to the next person and look at them and punch it in, everybody, you command the t- attention of the table and they work at your speed as you're punching it in. And you can sit there and go through every special order, every special request. And it's nice and simple. And like you said, you don't forget it's mm-hmm. in there. Yeah. So, I, I, I promise this was not meant to be a giant toast. Yeah. Out. I have I, such a, it, I'm such a toast. We did not. We did not. I love it. <laughs> this is not scripted. This is not planned. It's just, this is the, the exact reason why I'm willing to go into a CPA deal with toast because I believe in them and I've only heard amazing things by far yeah. the most recommended POS on the show. And I, I need to put this into the, the conversation. Uh, toast is going to give us $2,500 for every person we lead we, we send their way. Wow. And, um, because of that support, um, and because of the state of the industry, we're, we're after taxes, we're going to split 
that revenue with our listeners. So if you guys are interested in wow. us, we'll send you a check for a thousand dollars. And we have almost, I think between eight and a thousand, 800 and a thousand dollars worth of incentives. Toast is giving us to, to get people to use our link. So that's $2,000. You guys are going to get back if you use our link. So if you know of anybody who's in the market for a new POS, please, please, please um, let them know about restaurant unstoppable. We'll take care of them. And all right. Pitch over. Swear to God. Uh, thank you for going there. Was not prompted. Anything else that you bring to the table that I noticed you're, you're really big into events. I was hoping we would talk about private events and catering. Oh, private events. Because I know yeah. that must be a huge um, arm of your business. Do you want to get into that? Yeah. So it's interesting you bring that up. So when we started doing events, it was, oh, crap. I don't even know what year it is now. So I'm like forgetting. Maybe 2014. So what would happen is somebody would call and they'd say, we have a party of 15, of 20, of 25. The hostess would say, oh, you've got to talk to a manager, you know, and whoever the MOD was would be the person who ended up with the, you know, the, the phone request and they would call them back and handle it. So we had no kind of like SOP for it. And it was like, whoever got it was who sold the party. And so what happened was one day I'm at the gym and I get a call and they're like, there's an event here. It's a wedding. And we don't have anything about it. We don't know anything about it. And I had taken the request and said yes and never had like put it anywhere and had forgotten about it. Oh, no. Yeah. Like this is a wedding. This is like a life event. Right. Oh, my goodness. How'd that go? And I was like, so we're doing. um, Well, we're not going to talk about that. We're just going to say like we're doing something majorly wrong. Yeah. And we're getting so many requests. Like we'd find like these slips from the hostess and be like, did anybody call this person back? Like nobody knew. So we, I hired someone, an event coordinator, and we went from like not tracking those sales, not monitoring it, nothing, um, to hiring a full time person. That's all she did, and now we're, you know, we're going to be close to eight hundred thousand dollars in private event sales, um, and that's all she does is sell events. And uh, we use Triple Seat actually for yes. our software. I was going to ask uh, past guests yeah. on the show. Triple Seat been recommended. Why do you why do you love Triple Seat? Um, first, what is triple C? Yeah. So triple C is the software management. It's like the CRM for, uh, uh, for private events. So the good thing is, is like everybody in my management team can log in and see the BEO for the day. You can get, again, my events manager doesn't have to be at every event because she has a system in place that everybody has communicated what, you know, what's going on for that day. You can put special menus in there. You can um, e- you can even give access to the servers. Like we have um, uh, party captains, so they can they know what they're walking into before the shift and kind of brief themselves. Um, and it's just been a huge part of our business, um, you know. And oh, by the way, I don't even have a private room, so we're doing all these private event sales, and like we don't even have a private room, and we're doing it. But, um, you know, you always have downtimes. You always have a Tuesday night that you're not that busy that you can book corporate. You always have, you know, we're seasonal. So in our off season, I'll book you, you know, any night. Um, and, and that's that's been a huge, huge component of our business. Yeah. One thing I love about Triple C is um, what happens, what tends to be um, a, a a big hurdle or a big challenge for events is all the little details. Right. And yeah. then if there's, there's all this back and forth between, Oh, we want to change this menu. Oh, we want this color on the table. And so that color and 
the, all the passing back and forth of these documents and making these little amendments, like little things can get lost in the mix. Right. Yeah. And that little thing could be something huge to the person that you're doing the service for. But what I love yeah. about triple C um, is that if you, if there's one master document, right. And it's a lot kind of like Google docs, right. That when yep. you make a change to it, it's there. It and anybody can make a change to it. And it's, it's one master doc. So, yeah. Do you want it? Has that saved you? Is that, is that oh, a feature that you're that absolutely worth about? Yeah. it's been, it's been so key. I mean, like everybody knows what's going on. You've got no excuses because somebody, sometimes they call the night before to give you a head count, you know? Yes. You were supposed to give a head count five days ahead, but that's not how the real world works. You know, it's not always how it happens or last minute they add 20 people like chef knows when he goes to prep, let me log in, see if there are any changes. And here, here's what the BEO is updated to, you know? Um, we use one other thing that's really helpful, um, Asana, which is a project management software. It's not restaurant exclusive, um, but that has been another big game changer for our leadership team. Nice. Um, it's, uh, so get into that a little bit more and how right. it's been. Yeah. Yeah. So Asana is a project management software um, where you can create like a task, like a uh, menu change. Okay. We're going to have a menu change. And then within that, you create all the steps you know, your plan to execute that menu change. And you can assign every step with a due date and that, and then you can manage it, right? Because if we start getting into email chains and I emailed the GM and, oh, GM, did you approve the new menu changes? Oh, chef, do you have the menu edits out from the graphic designer? Oh, uh, you know, so-and-so, do you update it on the website? Like, these are all the things that happen with a menu change. Um, and when we assign it in Asana, you know, it's sequential. Everybody knows what they're assigned to do. They know what the expectation is to complete it. And I can see if they're doing it within a timeline and I can manage it there. I don't have to be in the restaurant. I don't have to be in their face. I don't have to email them to death, you know, which, um, you know, gets lost in the other 3000 emails we got. It's like one place that holds everything. And then the, uh, the other aspect of it, we use it for um, employees. So we have every employee in Asana and let's say they do they they're late, their uniform's wrong. We just make notations under their name. And then at the end of the month, you go, you know what, this person's been written up like that. Maybe they're not severe infractions. But again, they're the daily habits that lead to their success or their failures, right? So all of a sudden, you'll say, you know what, so and so was late, just five minutes, but it's been like 15 times this month. You know what I mean? And then you say, all right, it's time for us to sit down and have like a coaching moment with them. Um, and that's been a, another huge thing that we've adopted. That's been really helpful. I love it. This has been, <laughs> you're killing it right now with, uh, the advice okay. and the tools you're sharing with us. And just, uh, before we move on from that, just a quick reminder that actually, uh, triple C is another one of our sponsors. I, I got to remind oh, you no guys because it's, it's like, cause so many times I hear people like, Oh, like I heard about these things. I'm like, Oh, you should have used my links. So I got to remind you guys, please use the links. It really goes a long way with supporting yeah. the show. And I just can't thank you enough. So if you're interested in toast or triple C email me with the title of that t- technology in the email and I'll be sure that they take care of you. Um, so we got to make time to talk a little bit about COVID-19. Um, so I don't want to talk so much about, how you responded and what you did. I want to talk about what you're doing now and what your plan for the future is. So real quick, just how did you respond and what did you do to, to, to handle this? Yeah. So um, the night before we were closing, I was sitting with my Cheney rep and I turned to him and said, I just left Publix. There is no food on the shelves. This is crazy. What the hell's going on? And he turns to me and goes, yeah, that's nuts. Cause I have a warehouse full of food and I have nobody to sell it to. And we kind of looked at each other and over, I stayed up overnight 
and re-coded um, our website and build out a grocery store. So the, immediately the next day we were selling groceries and it was amazing for the first three weeks. We found something our customers needed that we could provide and we filled that gap. Did you say you um, coded your website? Well, I use Bento Box. Do you know Bento Box? I do know Bento Box, another past sponsor. We're, I'm not planning this. I swear to God, this is not <laughs> a giant ad. So, I swear to God. I never really been on the backside of Bento because like I don't really do a whole lot on our site like that. And um, it was super easy. And I just literally, I mean, I can't believe how many I had like 200 items up there. It was crazy and just built, built it out. Um, and it looked amazing because their site's so easy to use. Because I was going to say, like, I mean, that must be an incredible skill to, to be able to code and work on your own website. Uh, how is that code loosely. It's kind of template based. But, but th- that's <laughs> the power of a tool like Bento Box, though, because yeah. like, we're not coders. We're restaurateurs. We don't. But that uh, that that aspect of our business is becoming so significant. It's like it's like having another dining room. Yeah. on your business that you, and, and if you don't know how to clean that dining room if you don't know how to move the chairs around in that dining room if you don't know how to manipulate that dining room you're screwed but with a tool yep. like bento box you don't need to necessarily know how to because they make it simple it's all drag and drop and and you can quote unquote like danielle code. saying code but you're really just dragging and dropping and clicking anybody can do it and it's it's right we, we need to be able to control that aspect of our business uh it's yeah. super significant um I'm loving this conversation. So get back into it. So um, you adapted, you started, you, you, you turned your restaurant into a marketplace. You, you made yeah. some, adju- what adjustments did you make to your website or is it worth getting into that? And maybe talking more well, about what you're doing now. I literally like had to turn off like, ev- like I crashed, not crashed my website, but like, as you saw it, I turned everything off and I realized I was like, maybe I should have taken pictures of what it used to look like. Cause I have no idea how much oh. to put it back, <laughs> but I did that the other day in like two seconds. Cause bento is so easy to use. Yeah. Um, so we, we self-delivered everything to kind of avoid third-party charges. Plus I had my whole leadership team who I didn't want to let go. And they were like, Danielle, whatever we need to do. So we did grocery. We took all of our delivery charges and our gratuities. Um, and we put them together to give um, to raise money for our non-working team members. Nice. Um, we did that last week. We raised over $20,000. That's awesome. So it was really, it was, it was really amazing. And um, it was difficult because you've got, you know, my leadership team's 10 people and it's like everybody wants to be in charge. And then here we are. We're like, all right, guys, we've got to work together. And some of you have to deliver and some of you have to do fulfillment and some of you have to do the ordering. And it was kind of really strange because it's like building a new business. Um, and then the second part of that is we were um, fortunate enough to learn about a contract with the school system um, that we kind of started to go after. And uh, through, I think it's been four weeks now, we just served over 40,000 meals to the school system, to three different schools where we produce and distribute their breakfast and lunch, um, for those kids that depend on the school system for their meals every day. And, um, I love it. Um, and I I feel like it's, it's worth mentioning, but I feel like where we are with COVID-19, everyone, I don't know if I agree that the world is changing. I don't know if I agree that there's going to be this, completely different world when we come back. I think all the things that we're being told to do right now were things that we should have been doing already. And all the things that these quote unquote trends from COVID-19 are just expedited, sped up trends that were already in place. And now you've got to adapt. You've got to incorporate delivery. I mean, but we've already talked about tools on the show that if you are implementing these tools, you're kind of you you're set up to yeah. evolve with the industry, right? Like Bento Box delivery and 
all these things, toast delivery and all these things like these are built into these tools that you've already invested in and you can just hit a switch and evolve. Yeah. Uh, it's that simple. Um, what are your thoughts on what I just said? So it's so funny you say um, adapt because that's been kind of like my catchphrase all week is like, I didn't pivot it. I didn't pivot. I adapted like pivoted would have been like maybe go into a different business. Like I just found what my customers needed for that time and I adapted to their needs. Um, and, and like you said, this is all stuff that we should have been doing in some capacity, like delivery or stuff online. Um, but it was just highlighted during this time period, you know, cause that was the need that our guests had. So, um, I think, like you said, the world isn't going to be any different, but we're going to adapt to the changing needs that our guests have because their, their needs have cha- come in they're, they're in different ways. Now. It's just very coincidental that the, the thing that, um, the trends that were happening, right. Of, of more people ordering online, more people picking up, uh, more people doing delivery, like all that. But now it's just coincidental that because of COVID-19, it's like that on, on steroids. Right. So we're right. just, we, and if we want to stay in business, if we want to connect with our guests who might be a little apprehensive of going out. Maybe we have a, I mean, you're in Florida. Like you guys, there's a lot of old people in Florida, you know, like you got to serve that market and they're probably going to be the last ones to come out of hiding. Right. You know? Right. Um, so I don't know. I don't, I don't think we need to beat that to death. One thing I one thing the, the reason why I'm really excited, uh, to make an example of you specifically in how you, re, you responded to COVID is, you know, there's so many people out there that just decided to like bitch and moan and say, this is not fair. Like this is happening to us. Yeah. And, uh, and it's not, and it's, and I'm not under, it sucks right now. I don't want to underplay that. It's a very significant, I would hate, to be any in any one of your my listeners' shoes or your shoes, having to be a restaurant owner going through COVID nineteen, um, but you chose to do something about it. You chose to see the silver lining. What was that silver lining for you? You know what? It, it's so interesting, Eric. Like I remember, like the first week we started doing grocery, and I'm like, I'm tired. This is hard. It was hard, hard work, and we working more than ever. And our friends are like, "I'm sitting at home, and I just learned how to do Tai Chi on the internet because we have nothing to do." Like I was like, "I want to go into quarantine." And yesterday was our first day that we were allowed to reopen, and everybody who showed up were people who had ordered it from us for grocery, our regular customers, because we stayed relevant to them, right? And they were all like, "Oh my god, we saw you were open. We wanted to come support you." Like the world did not just stop. Like you had to stay relevant to them. You had to show them like you cared enough to adapt to their needs and you would be there for them. So I think I didn't, I didn't want to just like go away. You know, I didn't want the blood to stop pumping through the veins of the restaurant because to start up from scratch would have been like painful. And the other thing is, is that like the opportunity with the school and and some other things that we did, those opportunities happen because we were there we were open and we were ready like, Oh, you need a catering order for the hospital tomorrow. Done. We can do it. You know, if somebody had called me, I'd be like, well, let me see who I can get to come into work and let me, you know, and every day people would be like, how are you going to pay your people? I'm like, I have no idea. I just know today we have a gig that we can do that we can pay them for. And tomorrow we'll make that decision again. And, you know, we just sat down as a team and I was like, I have no idea if I can pay you, I have no idea how long this is going to go on for. I just know today, you know, some of you, I'm not going to have to lay off, but tomorrow I might. And we just, we took every day like that. Yeah. And I, I think I love that. I love everything you share with us. Uh, the, the other thing that I'm just going to bring straight to the surface is that 
you spent the, like, I, one of the things I asked a lot of my guests is how like the mission statement is to inspire, empower, and transform the industry. Mm-hmm. And if you spent the, the past 20 years transforming as a restaurant owner into the woman you are today, uh, the, into the restaurant tour you are today, and you've been able to not only survive uh, COVID-19, but you're doing really well. Is that safe to say? Comparably. Well, we'll see. It's, all, it's only day one, but Compa- yeah, we're open. I'm you know, thriving. You, your business, you're still in business, you know, like that's a lot more than some people can say right now. Um, and you're choosing to, sh- to share your knowledge with other people to that because you, you've been for the past 20 years, the slight of like what the, the compounding effect, right? The slight edge constantly tweaking, constantly evolving, paying attention to these little things you can do. And now you're able to weather the storm and now you're helping other people weather the storm. And that's kind of one that that's how you came across my radar because you're putting together this restaurant boot camp to, to come back from COVID-19 stronger than ever before, where you're basically taking people on the journey that you went through as a restaurateur and, and connecting them with the, the resources you connected right. with to, to learn. Is that a good summary of what the boot camp is? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, that's great. So, um, yeah, I, I kind of, um, I mean, you really summarized it perfectly. I mean, um, when, when we started ground zero and kind of, uh, came up with the idea, the concept was like as an independent restaurateur, you don't have uh, a council on staff. You don't have an accountant, you know, in your corporate office that can tell you how to navigate, you know, the cash flow right now. You don't have, you know, heads of every department that can really kind of like dig deep for you and do all this research of all these changing um, uh, everything that's changing right now. Um, and like I said to you before, like when I went through the housing crisis, the one thing that got me through is that I dug deep into my business when the revenues weren't there and came up with the systems and the processes to do things so that I could not just survive that time, but thrive afterwards. Um, and I think we're in that same period of time right now where, we need to be doing things to not just survive where we're, we are, but when we get to the other side, because it's going it's to come, that we can thrive through it and be better operators and better business people at that time. So um, to me, it was finding some of these people I've worked with. Um, most of them, you know, I know it was like kind of creating your own corporate in-house council of uh, restaurant experts. To, to guide you through this time. And some of the stuff you might know, you know, you know, you have to put a checklist into place, you know, you have to do recipe crossing cards with David Scott Peters, but that doesn't mean you've done it. And sometimes go, committing to a course um, makes, holds you accountable to say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to invest in myself and my business. Cause you know, if I get to side, I'm going to kill it, yeah. you know, because he's doing this. Yeah. And I think, you know, the, the other thing too, like in the entrepreneur and you, Whenever there's disaster, there's also opportunity. It's a little awkward to be talking about money right now, but the truth is like this is a capitalistic economy that we yeah. exist in. We we become successful by being people of value and you spent the past 20 years compounding this wisdom and this experience and you can Sherpa and coach and guide people through these weird times and that's being a person of value. And I don't think there's any shame in trying to create an asset, a tool to, to share your knowledge and to, to, to benefit and to, to, to make money from that too. And I think that's kind right. of the example. Like we should not be ashamed to, to mention stuff like that. If we, if we can be a person, a person of value, we should get paid for that. And I think that anybody listening to this right now, like what value do you bring into the world? Where is your area of expertise and how can you find a way to, to monetize that? Right. And to right. use technology 
to to share that knowledge or whatever it is that you you, you choose to do, but to think outside the box. Um, and I think that's, an, that's just a, another level of why I want to make an example of you because I think we should all think like this. What are your thoughts of what I just shared? Yeah, no, I I I mean, you're, you're you summed it up perfectly. I mean, we have to invest in ourselves. We have to commit. And sometimes you need something to hold you accountable. And, um, you know, there's lots of free content out there, right? All everything you need to know is on the internet, but you're not going to look it up. You're not going to because you're not committing to a process. You're not sitting down and saying, wait, here, I need to dig in deep. And I think that's for me, it's like when, you know, you have to, you have to do that. And you've got to look at all, when revenues were high, it's like revenue hides all mistakes, right? And you're like, ah, it's not that big of a deal. I'll just kind of let it go. Well, the revenue's not there anymore to hide your mistakes. Your revenue's not there anymore to cover up the things you didn't want to address. You've got, you've got to look it straight in the eye and say, I've got to fix this. I've yeah. got to do it right. Yep. Yeah. I love it. Um, so if, if, if we're interested in this boot camp, if that you've yep. put together, that's um, that you can access twenty four seven, right? It's on, it's on your own yep. schedule, right? So it's on uh, your own time. Yep. So what? Where is the best place to go to? And I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes. This is episode. Yeah. Uh, stick around to the closing thoughts. I'll tell you what episode number is going to be. My, my calendar is kind of jacked up right now. Uh, just tell us a little bit more how to find it. Yeah, it's www.groundzerobootcamp.com. Um, you just go on there, sign up. You immediately get an email to uh, log you into the course and you go at your pace. You know, to me, it's, I would recommend doing one class a day and they're anywhere, they're around 45 minutes. I think that's the sweet spot. Any longer as a restaurateur, you've got ADD and you're not paying attention, but it's just enough to focus on like one area every day that, and and these are all areas that I identified that are kind of like make your foundation of your business. Um, And if you just focus on every day, one thing that you're going to kind of dig into and you're going to, you're going to tweak you know, by the time you get done these 30 days, um, I think we've got over 20 speakers now. You've, you've touched all areas of your business and all these things that you can dig in on. And you know what? If you love one of the speakers and it's somebody you want to work with, you know, they're there now at your disposal. You know, you can say, I really connected with, you know, Sandy Corm from The Catering Coach. I really connected with Kathleen Woods. You know, I, you know, maybe I need to dig in deeper with her, you know? So it brings, these are the, these are, these are amazing um, consultants in our industry. And, um, you know, Jim Knight, who talks about culture. I mean, he's, it's amazing when you sit there and listen to how he outlines culture in your business, like how important is that right now when you're going through these times as a leader, um, to your team, like what's the culture that you're, you're, uh, you know, you're adapting to, to say, like, we're going to all get through this together. So, um, uh, to me, that's, that's kind of, uh, been, the, the driving force behind it was like, Oh no way. I love him. <laughs> yeah, she, she mentioned, um, uh, Jim Knight, who was a past guest in the show. And I was like, wait, I have his book right behind. Oh me. no I'm, way. You've yeah. So, that's so funny. I'm holding it up to the camera. If you're watching this on YouTube, you'd be able to see that. But yeah, one, one of the reasons why I wanted to connect with you is because a lot of your, the, the, these experts that you yeah. are bringing to this, this, uh, bootcamp are a lot of my past guests. So you have good taste. I'll say that. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to make an example of you and bring you on the show, not only because you're an incredible restaurateur, but I love what you're doing and I love how you're seeing the silver lining and all this and we can be people of value and we should be rewarded for that, that, that value. Um, for sure. Yeah. So, um, what is the cost? Let's just get there real quick and then we'll, we'll wrap this up and we'll head into the speed round. Yeah. So it's, 
the course is five ninety nine, but um, obviously we've put together a promo code for um, Restaurant Unstoppable, so it brings it down to half price for two ninety nine. Thank you. Um, and it gets you, uh, like I said, we had twenty speakers. I think I'm up to over twenty two speakers now. Um, so, and and I just keep adding people as as they come, you know, as I find people that have really significant value. Um, and it's just an amazing way to kind of say, all right. I need to dig deep. I need to focus on different areas of my business. There is so much going on right now. We need something that every day kind of grounds us to say, all right, what are we going to focus on? Um, because it's, it's, and, and the people that, here's my number one thing. If you think you're going to reopen your restaurant the way you closed, you're in for a rude awakening, right? It's not a new world. It's just a different world. And you better adapt and change and pay attention to the glaring holes in your foundation that, you know, revenue is hiding before. Yes. Awesome. Uh, great, great stuff. Thank you so much, Danielle. And I'll be sure to share that promotional code uh, with you in the closing thoughts to get that half off. Do you know what it is? Cause I don't, <laughs> what do you want it to be? <laughs> Can we make it unstoppable? What is, is you want uns- it to be unstoppable? That's kind of long. Is it too long? Un- how about yeah, we can do an unstoppable 50. What about, don't stop. Don't stop. Okay. Okay. Don't, if you use promotional code, don't stop. Then, um, I like that. Don't yeah. Stop. If you use promotional code, don't stop. You'll get, you get 50% off. And thank you very much for that generosity. Uh, Danielle, I, I appreciate you supporting the show as well. All these little things compound and help us pay the bills. I got, I got new team members. I just doubled in size. I got KC, our community manager. I got to take nice. care of now. It's stressful. I'm not going to lie. It's a little, we'll get through it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So we're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors and we'll be right back. Did you know Toast is the number one most recommended POS on Restaurant Unstoppable? I'm sure it has something to do with the fact that more than two-thirds of their employees have worked in the restaurant industry. And I'm feeling pretty confident that has something to do with their commission-free online ordering, which is a hot ticket right now, which lets guests easily order directly from restaurants for pickup or contactless delivery to keep revenue flowing during these uncertain times. They even have delivery services, which dispatches local drivers through an on-demand network to keep your community fed and revenue coming. Regardless of the reason why people are recommending Toast, I highly recommend you go check them out during this industry-wide pause. To learn more head to toasttab.com slash unstoppable and because you are restaurant unstoppable listeners for a limited time get one month of free pos software three months of free digital ordering tools and 50 percent off implementation to ease the impact of covid19 this is a value of one thousand dollars one more time that's toasttab dot com slash unstoppable you have to use that link to save one thousand dollars we're back and the first question i have for you danielle is what is your it factor a habit a trait a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success uh, i'd say sense of responsibility what is your biggest weakness uh my people skills <laughs> you know, you mentioned, and I'll pull back a layer here. You mentioned another uh, recording or a video I watched where you kind of just like run through the dining room sometimes. Um, yeah. And you've been called out on that. Um, yeah. So I, I, somebody said to me, I never say hello to anybody. Like I'm that, that rude. And uh, I realized like, it's not that I'm just, I'm thinking about something yeah. and I just, yeah. But I mean, it's, I think so. it's important to be mindful of your shortcomings um, so you can uh, uh, compensate, whether that be just admitting that you're not good at it and letting people know, okay, it's not personal. I just suck. Like, I'm dyslexic and like I screw shit up all the time in my emails. And like I just tell people, like, don't expect this to be perfect. 
It's yeah. the best I can I'm, do. But I like, know I'm abrasive, so I yeah. really try to pay attention to other people's you know, needs and, and feelings. But it's so important to be mindful. So I just wanted to kind of, you know, commend you for that. Um, mm-hmm. What is one thing you do that, wait, I, it's not like, I've, <laughs> it's not like I've done this 700 plus times. What is one question you ask your thing you look for during the interview process? Um, I would say sense of responsibility. Like when you talk to somebody and they share a story about a previous job, and they say like, oh, this happened. And then they give their opinion about it, but they don't share about what they did about it. Mm-hmm. You know, what's your I'll biggest challenge today? My biggest challenge today. I mean, this is, this is a bad day to ask, right? <laughs> in the middle of COVID. But it's relative. Skip. So, Can I skip? We're all in the middle of COVID though. So what your challenge with COVID might be someone else's challenge with COVID. I'm. I'm not challenged with what's happening today, but I know the next four to six months are going to be where the real challenge is. Being closed was not difficult. Being open with down revenue is difficult. Yeah. Um, it's going to be rough for sure. But yeah. these interviews, your knowledge, shared knowledge, all this will help you guys. I'm, I'm confident of that. Uh, share one code of conduct or behavior you teach your team. So this is a core value, a way to be, a way to act that you teach your team. Yeah. So our core value, like our, is everything matters. There's not one thing that's more significant or insignificant than the other. Like every action, you know, leads again, clearly I have a common theme here to the success or failures based on the decisions that we make. I love it. What is one book that's a must read to make us a better person or restaurant owner? Um, I would say, uh, the, 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 uh, slight edge, um, all my managers earlier this year, we just read um, The Culture Solution by Matthew Kelly, and that was amazing. Obviously, David Scott Peters' new book, Restaurant Prosperity Formula, is, uh, is Dave's a, a must-read. Is Dave's book on audio yet? I don't think so. Oh, I was going to say, because I mean, that's how it I... Should it should be, because his and he needs to read it, too. Right? I, I need to get on him about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I know those first two books are on audio, I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah. So if you are not leveraging audiobooks, I, I highly recommend it. Um, with yeah. our uh, with your schedules being on the go all the time. And w- the other cool thing about audiobooks is that you can be listening to an audiobook in the morning when you're prepping and bringing your team in and getting everybody listening to the same stuff so you're all on the same page, which I, which I think is one aspect of audiobooks that gets overlooked. Yeah. You've got to think of how much net time you have. To me, net time is driving in the car, waiting for a doctor, doing cardio when you're working exactly. out, prepping. That's a great example of net time. Exactly. Uh, and I, I skipped the question. Seriously, you're struggling this morning with these, the speed round. Uh, what is one uncommon standard of service you teach your team? So this is something that's common within the four walls of your business, but something that isn't common without the, with, throughout the industry to go above and beyond. Yeah. So um, I think something this year that I've thought of that's kind of unique is um, empathy, mm. right? So looking at your cut when, you know, so often we'll come back and be like, Oh my God, this guest asked for this. They're so annoying. Are they really annoying? Like put yourself in their shoes and have some empathy for what they're asking for, you know? Yeah, and, then- and Oh, by the way, what, what did they go through today? And then that was just like the icing on the cake. Their, their steak was overcooked. Yeah. And so it- like, ha- imagine that being you. Yeah. And if miss, uh, what would you say your biggest challenge was, was being, uh, what's the word you used? Uh, sociable or not sociable. 
Was that the word? You Social, I'm socially awkward, so there's that. <laughs> well, I was going to say, like, this is coming from somebody who's socially awkward, giving you an empathy advice. So listen to it. It's a, if she can do it, you can do it. Uh, <laughs> what's one thing you feel restaurateurs don't do well enough or often enough? Um, I think budgeting. I think a lot of restaurateurs, there's so much money coming in that doesn't mean it's all yours. Mm-hmm. I love it. Um, there's a book out there. Um, in a school of thought out there that I'm actually, I've been preaching this and I've been trying to live it. And now that I have other people on my team um, and it's, it's more important than ever that I'm taking care of them. Profit first is a great, uh, do you, are you familiar with that school of thought? No. Yeah. Profit first. I'll talk to you about it afterwards, but uh, this is the idea that you got to pay yourself first. And yeah, I know the concept, but I don't know the book. Yeah. And, and it, and it uses the envelope system, but instead of envelopes, you use checking accounts to move money around to make sure that money is where it's supposed to be. So a really great resource. I have a course that I collaborated with, with a uh, Casey Anton from the spark business consulting. So if you're interested in that course, head over to unstoppablecourses.com or just shoot me an email and I'll uh, get you hooked up. All right. The next question I have for you, uh, what is one piece of technology? And I know you've already dropped a bunch of technology on this, but what's maybe something that's new that you've just adopted or something that you're thinking about adopting that has you really excited? Um, crap. Yeah. We use so much. We use toast seven rooms. Um, all right, here's a good one. So open table had open table for years, like $25,000 a year. And I cut open table off three years ago. And, um, everybody said, I'm crazy. I'm in a tourist area. I was like, there's no way I'm going to lose $25,000 worth of business. And that's what I pay to them. So I'd net out the same and we were up the next year. We've switched to seven rooms, which is, uh, um, uh, does the same thing like open table as, as far as it managing your back end. Plus they do a whole lot more. So I think that's been really cool. I know CRM is a huge component of open table. Does seven rooms equate or match uh, better. Yeah, they just they just adopted a new um, uh, marketing tool in there, and it's way better as a CRM. Beautiful. All right, this is the last question. It's a doozy. Actually, I am skipping so many questions. I almost okay. I will get through this interview together. I promise. Uh, What is one service you've outsourced to? So this is a new question I'm asking. And the idea is what I want restaurant unstoppable to be is, is a way to connect good people with good people. So uh, a service that you already mentioned the, the Bev um, service, something like that, but a a service that you've outsourced to, to make your yourself and your collective better. Yeah. So I know exactly what it is because this is uh, we just have a, a new company. So we outsourced our bookkeeping and accounting uh, maybe three or four years ago, we used to have an in-house one person I managed and it was so time consuming. We outsourced it and it's been, it's been everything for us. And we just um, hooked up with the Largo group and Gannon. Um, and it's just amazing. Like, first of all, it's one less person that's in your four walls. That's asking your t- of your time every day. Everything's automated. Everything's correct. You get fin- full financials, you know, on your schedule. And that has been a game changer. Okay. And that, um, that was the Largo group, the Largo group. And can they you, specialize in restaurants. Can you, spe- can you spell that for us real quick? L a R G O. Okay, beautiful. We'll link to that in the show notes as well. Make sure you stick around to the closing thoughts. I'll share what episode number this is for you guys. So you can find it easier. And now for the last question, if you got the news, you'd be leaving this world tomorrow. All the memories of you, your work and your restaurants would be lost with your departure with the exception of three pieces of wisdom that you could leave behind for the good of humanity and for your legacy, what would those three pieces of wisdom be? 
I don't, okay. I don't that's ask not, that's not a big one. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, one thing that we didn't get into today, um, you know, I talked a little bit about when I had that like epiphany not to work in my business, on my business, but in, or not in, but on, um, was also getting involved in community. Right. So I hadn't done any of that. And that came a little bit after closer to 2010, but, um, getting involved in your community and giving back has been an integral piece of, of what I do. So to me, I feel like we all have a responsible to you, a responsibility to use our time, our talent and our resources and resources is not always money to give back to our community. And it comes back to you like 10 times over. Um, but business, that has been yeah. a game changer. For I me. like to say b- people forget business is all about relationships and money yeah. is just a tool to manage relationships. And we forget that behind it all, it's, it's all about relationships. You have to put that at the forefront of everything you do. Those relationships will, if you, if you make it about others, others will make it about you. And, yeah. uh, and, and it's a very simple. So number one, um, invest in your community. Uh, number two, um, I would say, you know, caring about your team, you know, when I first started and with Lois, my mother-in-law, she was always like, you've got to work 80 hours a week or you're not a manager. Right. And I realized that if I don't give them five, five shifts a week with two days off that are in, in a row, like they're not going to be the best version of themselves. They're not going to want to contribute the best way to, you know, to the team. And when we really started focusing on that, we came together as a leadership team. We are no longer a group of managers. Um, and so that has been a huge thing is really focusing on your team and growing them to be the best version of themselves and so that they enjoy what they do. And don't try to make them something that they're not. Figure out what they're really good at and make that their responsibility. So how do you summarize that in like two or three weeks? I don't know. So focus on your that. community. How do I summarize that? Uh, focus on your team. Yeah. Okay. okay. Fo- yeah. Fo- focus on the, you know, your inner circle, yeah. you know, make them a priority because if you guys are all thriving together, your business is going to thrive. And what's the third one? And Oh, sorry. I cut you short. Go um, ahead. no, it's okay. Um, the third one, um, I, I would say, you know, really take a look at the life that you want for yourself and then create that, mm. you know, just like I realized, like, I don't want to work in my business 24 seven and I love what I do. So I, if you were to ask my kids, like I still do that, but, um, you know, I, I say to myself, I'm gonna take a vacation. I'm gonna take off on Saturday and Sunday. I'm not going to miss my kid's birthday. And, and it's possible. And the people that say to me, like, I'm so busy, I can't do that. You can do it. You just have to say, this is what I want. And this is how I'm going to carve the time and, and make that life that you want. So summarizing this, focus on your community, focus on your team and empowering your team and letting them do what they do best and then create the life that you can envision. Whatever that is, make it happen. I've loved this conversation, Danielle. You've been incredible. We wrap up every chat by calling somebody out. That's how I find my future guests. Who's one person or two people you respect and admire and believe would make a great guest mentor like you've made for me today? Um. I didn't know you were going to ask that question. And I would have to say I, um, Von Dugan with Kapow Noodle Bar. Um, he has been amazing. He's actually my partner on Ground Zero and has just taught me so much um, about ev- everything we talked about. I mean, he is just an amazing leader. He is a people person. He's great with people. And he understands you know, the systems 
Um, and, and he's so bright from a marketing standpoint. So um, I would say that his your conversation with him would just be so dynamic. Beautiful. And Vaughn has already been introduced to me. So we're going to make that happen. And I cannot wait. Yeah. I think we have it scheduled for a week from now. So you'll be hearing. Oh, nice. from, yeah, you'll be hearing from Vaughn shortly. And uh, how can we connect? Uh, if we have questions, uh, maybe about the boot camp, maybe we want to come join your team because yeah. we've just been inspired by you. What's the best way to connect? Yeah. So my email is Danielle at oceans 234.com. Best way to reach me. I always respond to my emails. Um, that's it. I love it. And again, if you're interested in that boot camp, don't forget, don't stop. D O N T S T O P uh, for half off. And thank you very much for that generosity and, and uh, paying it forward and helping me out. I appreciate that. There is no questioning, Danielle. You are unstoppable. <laughs> thank you. Cheers. Yes, another amazing episode here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Danielle Rossi, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show to share your story, your knowledge, and your mentorship. There was some great stuff that came from today's chat. I think the big takeaway for me is this idea of working on your business, not in your business. And I know it's an overplayed statement, an overplayed saying, but it's so significance when you really wrap your mind around this idea of of replacing yourself with systems and uh, getting to the point where you can constantly be working on your business to find those little ways you can be tweaking in and compounding and giving yourself that slight edge these things add up over time and we also talked about the importance of a budget uh you know you really need to be putting these parameters in place these checks and balances to be, be to be protecting yourself awesome stuff came from today's chat and a few things a lot of calls to action today uh first our sponsor uh toast pos was you know we had a lot of great things said about toast today all organic i have to point this out this was not staged at all uh toast is a great resource and if you use our link and i don't know of this deal anywhere else you will save up to two thousand dollars and i know you guys need it right now so if you know of anybody looking to update their technology please share our link with them save them two thousand dollars that link is toasttab.com slash unstoppable you got to use that link spread the word our goal is to get one thousand restaurants one thousand dollars let's do it also in today's chat uh Danielle talks about what they got going on with their boot camp their ground zero boot camp and I wanted to make an example of her in her creativity and I, and I I see the future of our industry being a lot more people sharing knowledge from within the industry and this is just one great example of that so for 599 you get her fast track what she went through spending the past 20 years uh, learning and evolving into the restaurant tour she is today she's putting on that fast track it's $599 you use our link you get half off so use our link or not our link I'm sorry we will link to it but use our promotional code don't stop D O N T S T O P. Don't stop. Use that promotional code and get half off. We also had Triple Seat mentioned, and that's another affiliate of ours. We get $500 if you use our link for Triple Seat. And we talked about Profit First. We have a course around that. So lots of calls to action today. Please use our links. Please reach out to me, Eric at Restaurant Unstoppable, if you're interested in any of these things. Or just head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 716. We'll link to it all over there for you. Help support the show. And thank you so much in advance. All right. That's it for today. Thank you so much for sticking around this long. Until next time, peace out.